today on the Wood Preacher Podcast, a Lamanite prophet with bad news, also some really good news, and miraculously poor marksmanship. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Wood Preacher Podcast. Right today we are looking in our Come Follow Me curriculum at Helaman chapters 13 through 16. This will wrap up the book of Helaman. Uh, Let's go ahead and dig right into our Lamanite prophet with bad news. Samuel, a Lamanite, comes to Zarahemla, the capital of the Nephite nation, and preaches. Uh, Here are a few verses, verses 5 through 13 of Helaman uh, 13. And he said unto them, Behold, I, Samuel, a Lamanite, do speak the words of the Lord, which he doth put into my heart. And behold, he hath put it into my heart to say unto this people that the sword of justice hangeth over this people. And four hundred years pass not away, save the sword of justice falleth upon this people. Yea, heavy destruction awaiteth this people, and it surely cometh unto this people, and nothing can save this people, save it be repentance and faith on the Lord Jesus Christ, who surely shall come into the world, and shall suffer many things, and shall be slain for his people. And behold, an angel of the Lord hath declared it unto me, and he did bring glad tidings to my soul. And behold, I was sent unto you to declare it unto you also, that ye might have glad tidings. But behold, ye would not receive me. Therefore thus saith the Lord, because of the hardness of the hearts of the people of the Nephites, except they repent, I will take away my word from them, and I will withdraw my spirit from them. And I will suffer them no longer, and I will turn the hearts of their brethren against them. And four hundred years shall not pass away before I will cause that they shall be smitten. Yea, I will visit them with the sword, and with famine, and with pestilence. Yea, I will visit them in my fierce anger, and there shall be those of the fourth generation who shall live of your enemies to behold your utter destruction. And this shall surely come. Except ye repent, saith the Lord, and those of the fourth generation shall visit your destruction. But if ye will repent and return unto the Lord your God, I will turn away mine anger, saith the Lord. Yea, thus saith the Lord, Blessed are they who will repent and turn unto me. But woe unto him that repenteth not. Yea, woe unto this great city of Zarahemla. For behold, it is because of those who are righteous that it is saved. Yea, woe unto this great city, for I perceive, saith the Lord, that there are many, yea, even the more part of this great city, that will harden their hearts against me, saith the Lord. But blessed are they who will repent, for I will spare them. But behold, If it were not for the righteous who are in this great city, behold, I would cause that fire should come down out of heaven and destroy it. All right. Pretty strong language there. Um, Samuel is essentially saying, you know, if you don't get your act together, that's it. You will be destroyed. 
And in fact, there's very little that's keeping me from destroying this now. So kind of a harsh message. And Samuel already knows about how his message will be received. Here are a couple more verses, uh, starting in verse 24. Yea, woe unto this people, because of the time which has arrived, that ye do cast out the prophets, and do mock them, and do cast stones at them, and do slay them, and do all manner of iniquity unto them, even as they did of old time. And now when ye talk, ye say, If our days had been in the days of our fathers of old, we would not have slain the prophets, we would not have stoned them, and cast them out. Behold, ye are worse than they. For as the Lord liveth, if a prophet come among you and declareth the word of the Lord, which testifieth of your sins and iniquities, ye are angry with him, and cast him out, and seek all manner of ways to destroy him. Yea, you will say that he is a false prophet, and that he is a sinner, and of the devil, because he testifieth that your deeds are evil. But behold, if a man shall come among you and shall say, do this, and there is no iniquity. Do that, and ye shall not suffer. Yea, he will say, Walk after the pride of your own hearts. Yea, walk after the pride of your eyes, and do whatsoever your heart desireth. And if a man shall come among you and say this, ye will receive him, and say that he is a prophet. Yea, ye will lift him up, and ye will give unto him of your substance, ye will give unto him of your gold and of your silver, and ye will clothe him with costly apparel. And because he speaketh flattering words unto you, and he saith that all is well, then ye will find not fault with him. All right. So not only is Samuel coming with bad news about the fate of Zarahemla, but he predicts that they're not going to listen to him. Which kind of prompts the question, why bring the bad news? Why wouldn't God, if he knows that flattering words or, or a soft approach, a gentle and kind approach are more likely to be received, why wouldn't God command Samuel to use a softer message with more kindness and persuasion? Why instead have him come with the message, you're going to be destroyed, and part of your problem is how you treat messengers of God like me? Samuel's message almost seems like one of those liability warnings you get from some service or product, like, we warn you not to drink this industrial-grade concrete cleaner. I, we know you've got mugs filled with it, and you're licking your lips before you chug it, but many of you will end up in the hospital, and some of you won't make it out. So please reconsider, you know, just to say that they've covered their bases, even though they know how this is going to end. Um, maybe there's some truth to that, because God does know how it's going to end. He knows what the result is going to be, but he still makes the offer. He gives people a legitimate choice. They cannot, at that great and judgment set day, say, it was done for me. They will have to admit they had a choice, and they chose not to follow the prophet. Now, prophets today, in, in modern times, I think that it's safe to, to say that they do tend to have 
a softer approach. Well, why is that? Um, why do we see fewer specific predictions about destruction for failure to repent? Why don't we have people coming coming out and suggesting that, uh, um, you know, if we don't repent, then hurricanes and earthquakes and, and famines and, and uh, pandemics will come and destroy us? I mean, does this mean that kind God is kinder and more loving now? Well, no. Also, it's important to note that God was still kind and loving and generous when he gave his warm warnings through prophets like Samuel the Lamanite. It's essentially the same. He's offering deliverance. He's offering an incredibly good deal, whichever approach is being used by the prophets. Um, Additionally, it is important to note that while the second coming of Jesus Christ has many parallels to the first coming of Jesus Christ, there are important differences which can change the approach that is used. Christ came the first time as the Lamb of God, born in poverty, enduring persecution, and though his teachings were bold, and he invited, uh, on an individual level, people to very directly change their behaviors and attitudes. He was also clear about his work being not of this world. This wasn't a political approach. The second coming of Jesus Christ will be different. He will come in glory from the, from the clouds, and he will reign personally upon the earth as king. Specificity was abundant regarding to his first coming, including the timing, the nature, the place, and even though many of the details were misunderstood by people who lived in those times, both in uh, the Nephite society and also around Jerusalem, um, the, the prophecies were available, but uh, we can contrast that with the specificity that is offered around the second coming. There are some specifics, but there's a lot of generality. We, we know some specific places, but uh, Jesus himself in Matthew 24 and Mark 13 and other places where he describes the signs surrounding his second coming, is deliberately vague. It's a general representation. We don't know the names of world leaders of different nations or even the nations that will be represented in various conflicts. We know that the gospel will be spread to all nations, but we don't know how much, to what depth, at what level that will occur. We just, we don't know. We know that there will be lots of disasters. We don't know the, the dates and the times and even the nature of some of them. Um, and perhaps, perhaps a softer approach from prophets precedes the more fantastic arrival. For many, even members of his church who believe that he is coming— they will not have oil in their lamps because they have taken the soft approach 
too casually. The softer message is targeted at a smaller group of people. It's the people who are capable of hearing him anyway who have acquired the skill of hearing a still, small voice and who are likely to obey it. If you don't feel motivated to make changes in your life with the messages that prophets and apostles deliver today, which may seem softer, tune in better. Become the kind of person who can turn to God without the danger of destruction, even though that is inevitable. All right, let's move on. Samuel also brought some really good news, of course, surrounding the, the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here are a few verses. And behold, he said unto them, Behold, I give unto you a sign, for five years more cometh, and behold, then cometh the Son of God, to redeem all those who shall believe on his name. And behold, this will I give unto you for a sign at the time of his coming. For behold, there shall be great lights in heaven, insomuch that in the night before he cometh there shall be no darkness, insomuch that it shall appear unto man as if it was day. Therefore there shall be one day, and a night, and a day, as if it were one day, and there shall be no night, and this shall be for a sign. For ye shall know of the rising of the sun, and also of its setting. Therefore they shall know of a surety that there shall be two days and a night. Nevertheless the night shall not be darkened, as it shall be the night before he is born. And behold, there shall a new star arise, such an one as ye never have beheld. And this also shall be a sign unto you. All right, uh, that was chapter 14, verses 2 through 5. The reason for repentance. It's always the same. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Prophets have always had this message when they invite repentance. The king is coming. Jesus is near. There's a reason that Jesus himself advised his disciples to watch and pray so that they could recognize this truth, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that we have need right now to prioritize the things that God has asked us to do. There are abundant signs of God all around us, even right now. Alma taught that all things denote that there is a God. The message of God is not always easy to see in these signs, in these abundant signs except to those with faith, those with the power to see signs. Those who seek the power to see these signs can have it. God is generous to those who come to him. Samuel also predicts some less positive signs that will come at the time of Christ's death. Here are a few verses. But behold, as I said unto you concerning another sign, a sign of his death, behold, in that day that he shall suffer death, the sun shall be darkened and refuse to give his light unto you, and also the moon and stars. 
And there shall be no light upon the face of this land, even from the time that he shall suffer death for the space of three days to the time that he shall rise again from the dead. Yea, at the time that he shall yield up the ghost, there shall be thunderings and lightnings for the space of many hours, and the earth shall shake and tremble, and the rocks which are upon the face of this earth, which are both above the earth and beneath, which ye know at this time are solid, or the more part of it is one solid mass, shall be broken up. Yea, they shall be rent in twain, and shall ever after be found in seams and in cracks, and in broken fragments upon the face of the whole earth, yea, both above the earth and beneath. And behold, there shall be great tempests, and there shall be many mountains laid low like unto a valley, and there shall be many places which are now called valleys, which shall become mountains, whose height is great. And many highways shall be broken up, and many cities become desolate, and many graves shall be opened, and shall yield up many of their dead, and many saints shall appear unto many. And behold, Thus hath the angel spoken unto me, for he said unto me that there should be thunderings and lightnings for the space of many hours. All right. So, an important prediction, and we will go into the fulfillment of that in our uh, material next week. But uh, it, it is vital, this, this message, what Samuel predicted was important enough that Jesus himself came and ensured that it was properly recorded by the Nephites. Um, all right, let's talk about some miraculously poor marksmanship. Many who did not believe Samuel wanted to shut him up by any means necessary. Um, here's a verse. But as many as there were who did not believe in the words of Samuel were angry with him, that they cast stones at him upon the wall, and also many shot arrows at him as he stood upon the wall. But the Spirit of the Lord was with him, insomuch that they could not hit him with their stones, neither with their arrows. So what was the reason that the enemies of Samuel believed uh, preventing... Uh, was was the reason that they believed that was preventing them from killing him. Well, they, they assumed that it was because Samuel had a devil and that the devil protected him. Because, of course, they did. Guy asks us to repent and turn to God. Therefore, he is the one that's bad. Not all prophets are received well. And I imagine, as we get closer to the second coming, that more people will desperately try to do something similar, paint the words of modern prophets as bad because they do not like the message, any more than the people of Zarahemla did Samuel's message. Um, addition, in addition to missing the mark, um, let's also look at some of the other circumstances, even within the church. Here are a few verses. 
and they began to reason and contend among themselves, saying that it is not reasonable that a, such a being as Christ shall come, if so, and he be the Son of God, the Father of heaven and earth, as it has been spoken, why will he not show himself unto us, as well as unto them who shall be at Jerusalem? Why will he not show himself in this land, as well as in the land of Jerusalem? But behold, we know that this is a wicked tradition." which has been handed down unto us by our fathers, to cause us that we should believe in some great and marvelous thing which should come to pass, but not among us, but in a far distant land, a land which we know not. Therefore they can keep us in ignorance, for we cannot witness with our own eyes that they are true. And they will, by the cunning and the mysterious arts of the evil one, work some great mystery which we cannot understand, which will keep us down to be servants of their words, and also servants unto them. For we depend upon them to teach us the word, and thus they will keep us in ignorance if we will yield ourselves unto them all the days of our lives. And many more things did the people imagine up in their hearts, which were vain and foolish, and they were much disturbed, for Satan did stir them up to do iniquity continually. Yea, he did go about spreading rumors and contentions upon all the face of the land, that he might harden the hearts of the people against that which was good and against that which should come. So these people were envious of others who were receiving miracles or prophesied to receive great miracles and gifts, instead of humbly seeking and asking God themselves. This highlights a very important point. God owes you nothing. Don't think that you are as good as someone else or deserve what someone else has or is going to get. If other people have a good thing or a blessing, be happy for them. Don't be envious. Because ultimately, if you look at your own situation honestly, you'll realize that God is offering you a great deal. If you turn to him, regardless of how foolish or sinful you may have been, you can be forgiven and inherit permanent and eternal glory that is beyond description and comprehension. Ultimately, don't miss the mark. Jesus has given you a great deal if you turn to him. Don't turn against his servants or turn with envy against those uh, around you. There's also other good news. Jesus is coming, and the signs and wonders that we see around us, will, will they, they predict a millennium of peace that has not been known since the days of Eden. The biggest obstacle to you enjoying these blessings is you. Any counsel that comes from prophets or apostles that may seem hard is meant to further this end, to help you become better and receive all that God would have you receive. We appreciate all the support for the Ward Preacher podcast. Next week, we will look at 3 Nephi chapters 1 through 7, the meridian of time. 
Of course, there's a ton that we did not cover in today's discussion. Please study this independently and with your family. And of course, as always, fight on.